It's nighttime in the big city. There's a new coffee place on the corner. I hope somebody has change of a dollar. It's theme time radio hour with your host, Bob Dylan. friends welcome once again to theme time radio hour today's show is kind of a change of pace we usually we shine the theme time spotlight on the songs we play or the people who perform them but today we're going to look at a different group the people behind the songs and i don't mean the writers and producers i mean the inspiration great events can inspire memorable songs and tonight we're going to listen to the musical results of the trappings of fame We'll look at the famous and the infamous, those who are remembered fondly or barely. That's right, it's time for Theme Time Radio Hour, and we're looking at famous people. Actors, musicians, artists, politicians, and even a few famous animals are all going to pass down our red carpet. Please, no flash photography. Andy Warhol once said, In the future, everyone will be world famous for 15 minutes. Andy got bored with that statement and used to change it around when people interviewed him. Sometimes he said, in the future, 15 people will be famous. And other times he said, in 15 minutes, everybody will be famous. We're going to improve Andy's quote by 400%. Here on Theme Time Radio Hour, we'll give you a full hour of celebrity-driven music. So let's get started with a performance by a man that Mayor Ed Koch named a day after in New York City. That's right, May 18th, 1985, was Mighty Sparrow Day. I remember what I did that day. Do you? Sparrow's gonna sing a song all about Jack Palance. I'd say it's more about the call girls in his local bar looking like Jack Palance. But Jack is still mentioned, so it's fair game for us to play it today. I'll tell you a little more about Jack Palance in a couple minutes, but first let's hear the sound. It's a disgrace and a burning shame, but I don't know who to blame. A big disgrace and a burning shame, but I don't know who to blame. These among the old women in the nightclub, hustling for a bob, standing in the way of a younger girl. But it's time they retire, they're too old, believe me. Carolina and Josephine making more than 50. And I'm sure, without any doubt, she could be my granny. Walking bold at night with a face like Jack Palance. Go to France, move, step aside and give your daughter the chance. Now looking for you, it's not experience. I can remember last year carnival in front of cathedral. Auntie Mildred stand up cool as ever. I thought she was a beggar. So I give a shilling to Mildred saying, Mama, buy some bread. She can run and put she hand on she face. And she cost me upside it down in the place. I tell you, but if you see the woman, brother, she more than 16. And I'm sure without any doubt, she would be my granny. Still she walking about at night. She old face like Jack Palance. Go to fast move, step aside and give young people a chance. For you, not experience. 
pub with my bosom friend who come down to spend the weekend. But when I look back, who you think I see? One of my family. Go to heaven to shout out, Mama Jacob, what the heck you doing in the nightclub? Same time the rock and roll's out of play. So she hook on to a Yankee and break away. I tell you, but if you see the woman, brother, she more than 70. And I'm sure without any doubt she could be me granny. She walking about at night, she prune face like Jack Valance. Go to France, move girls, step aside and give this sparrow a chance. Oh, yes, they're looking for youth, not experience. Take it away. This is what I noticed the other day. It's a funny thing to say. The government really should pass a law against women 60 and more. Brother, you better take it from me. If they do that in nightclubs with the MD, so leave them alone and don't get in a rage. When a Yankee drunk, he don't study age. I'll tell you whether you are 24, 25 or 80. I am sure it will not interest a drunken Yankee. But when you drink your scotch and soda, it doesn't matter how old she is. As long as the Yankee get what is his. That was Manny Sparrow with a song not totally about, but definitely mentioning the great character actor Jack Palance. Jack served in World War II and got a Purple Heart. He was burned severely in battle and had to have extensive facial surgery, which gave him his trademark pinched look that Sparrow sings so well about there. He debuted in 1950 in the film Panic in the Streets. A lot of younger listeners might remember him from the movie City Slickers. He won the Best Supporting Actor Academy Award the following year, and everyone remembers when the 72-year-old actor did one-handed push-ups on the stage while holding his Oscar in the other hand. He didn't take himself too seriously. He said most of the stuff he does is garbage. And he didn't think much of the directors he worked with either. He said most of them shouldn't even be directing traffic. I'm not doing it any way other than the best that I can do. You cannot keep telling me what you think is the better thing, the better thing, the better thing, because I don't even know who the hell you are. You didn't tell me that I was going to have to sit here and take all of these goddamn directions from you. You didn't tell me that, did you? His distinctive voice was stilled on November 10th, 2006. We'll miss him. Ah, bullshit. You love everything but, 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 but. That's loving nothing. Fame fortune. No introduction is Elvis Presley, so we're not gonna talk about him. Instead, we'll tell you about the girl he's singing about him. Her name is Janice Martin, and she was on RCA Records too. They billed her as the female Elvis. She was singing professionally as early as age 11. Steve Scholes saw her and signed her to RCA. Among the people who play on this next record are Grady Martin, Buddy Harmon, and Floyd Kramer. They recorded it in a converted chapel, the same studio where Elvis recorded Heartbreak Hotel. So here she is, the female Elvis. And by the way, Colonel Tom Parker gave his blessing for that nickname. Here's Janice Martin and my boy Elvis. Everybody, come on down. The man with the guitar just hit town. Picks up like a rocket, there he goes. Rocking from his head down to his toes. My boy Elvis. 
Before he was famous, Elvis was a truck driver. Here are some other occupations of famous people before they were famous. P. Diddy Combs was a paper boy. Sylvester Stallone had a whole bunch of jobs. One of them was cleaning the lion's cage at the Central Park Zoo. Pol Pot, the leader of Cambodian communism, was a teacher. Mussolini was a writer who wrote for a newspaper, but also published a novel called The Cardinal's Mistress. Bill Murray used to stand outside a grocery store and sell chestnuts. And finally, Rush Limbaugh was a disc jockey in Missouri. His radio name was Rusty Sharp. I think I used to listen to that show. While we're on the subject of musicians, here's one of Elvis's contemporaries by the name of Gene Vincent. He's the subject of this song, not the performer. Gene Vincent was in a terrible motorcycle accident in 1955. It shattered his left shin bone, and he almost had to have his leg amputated. He spent the rest of his life in pain. He was in such pain right before they were going to film The Girl Can't Help It that he had to have his foot in a brace. The wardrobe department had to tailor his jeans to cover the brace, and they painted the toe of it to resemble a shoe. He used alcohol to numb the pain and pain pills as well. It was a terrible combination. He became unreliable and lost many jobs. He was still popular in England, and while touring there in 1960, he was in another horrible accident. This one a car crash. His good friend Eddie Cochran lost his life in that crash, and Gene's leg was re-injured. For the rest of his life, he had a horrible limp, and had to wear a brace even when performing. That's probably why our next artist felt a kinship with him. Ian Dury had polio at the age of seven, and walked with a pronounced limp. He was a musician and an artist. He actually taught painting at Canterbury Art College. Here's Ian Dury in the Buckheads. Sweet Jean Vincent. Blue Jean were slender, the beauties were brief. Shall I mourn your decline with some thunderbird white and a black handkerchief? I miss your sad Virginia whisper. I miss the voice that called my heart. Sweet Jean Vincent 
Black shirt, white socks, black shoes. Ian Dury and the Blockheads. Sweet Jean Vincent. You can tell how much he cared for him. As a matter of fact, Chaz Jenkel, who wrote the song with him, said that Ian Dury came in with so many lyrics, it easily could have been a 15-minute song. That's a little tip out there for you kids. Editing is an important part of songwriting. Sometimes you can be famous and still be broke. Mark Twain knew that feeling and had this to say. Fame is a vapor. Popularity and accident. The only earthly certainty is oblivion. I almost forgot. <coughs> you gave me a thousand. I think his idea was that I kill you. No! Angelon! <laughs> this is the days of rot, Eastwood. I'm the ugly one. If you want me, meet me at the big gun down. I am Van Cleave. Die! 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 We played King's Ditch before. We've told you about how he was born with facial disfigurement. And he called himself the ugly one as a promotional gimmick. People wanted to see just how ugly he really was. There aren't many pictures of him, but you can judge for yourself if you look. 
made some of the most exciting records of the late 60s, early 70s down in Jamaica. Here's one about one of the stars of the good, the bad, the ugly. Here's King's Dip and Lee Van Cleef. Not together. The song is Lee Van Cleef. And the artist is King's Dip. Bobby cares to hear the other way too. for playing villainous characters. He was missing the last joint of his middle finger for all you people who saw the good, the bad, and the ugly. He never denied rumors that it happened in a bar fight or as a result of some dangerous event. But the truth was, it happened while he was building a playhouse for his daughter. He was well aware of how important his looks were. He once said, being born with a pair of beady eyes was the best thing that ever happened to me. Those beady eyes were two different colors too. One was green and one was blue. He had to wear colored contact lenses so you wouldn't notice it on film. I the movie star Lee Van Cleef as musically portrayed by King Stitt. Not enough people are writing songs about movie stars anymore. I imagine you can write a very good song about Tom Hanks. A lot of things rhyme with it. You can give thanks, you can visit banks, you can drive tanks, or avoid skanks. And since Tom's a patriotic guy, you can salute the Yanks. There you go, I gave you a start. Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, Fame is proof that people are gullible. And Henry V, William Shakespeare wrote, I would give all my fame for a pot of ale and safety. Sure, he says that, but offer him a pot of ale and safety and see what he does. We heard from these guys on our President's Day show. And for my money, nobody puts historical facts to a catchy dance tune quite like they do. As they might be giants and a story about a Belgian painter named James Edsor. I'll give you some of the facts afterwards, and you can judge the veracity of the song for yourself. Meet James Ensor, Belgium's famous painter. Pick him up and shake his hand, appreciate the man. Before there were junk stores, before there was junk, he lived with his mother and the torments of Christ. The world was transformed, a crowd He lost all his friends, he didn't leave 
Thursday might be Giants, number one group at Mensa, and the story of James Ensor. He was a building painter. He did repeat himself. He did lose his friends. And he did live with his mother, a lovely woman. He was part of the avant-garde group called the Twenty. He was actually the group's founder and leader, but he had sharp differences of opinion with the other group members. He showed his work with them until 1888, until some of his paintings, such as the entry of Christ into Brussels, were rejected as scandalous, and the Twenty disbanded. You see, he did lose his friends. All the facts are there in the song, folks. In the later years of his life, he wrote music, he designed sets for ballets, and never stopped painting, holding a brush until his death at the age of 89. A rich life, a long life. Kind of a short song, though. Some people are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have press agents to tell us how great they are. Do you know what you need to lift your rating from 4.2 to 51.7? You need, now hold on to your hat, my friend. You need a whole new personality. A new personality? Sounds sort of crazy to you, doesn't it? No, I realize it's a new technique and I've got to face it. That's why I came. Good. That's a boy, Curly. You just put yourself in my hands. I'll have them loving him. I mean loving him. We haven't heard from Dinah Washington in a while. Probably not since our dream show. Here she's going to sing about a very famous character. A lot of people have done this song. A lot of people like Fats Waller's version. But I kind of like the humor that Dinah puts into it. All about the man who sailed the ocean blue back in 1492. And unless you flunked history, you know I'm talking about good old Christopher Columbus. A lot of people put him down nowadays because it's hard to discover a land that had as many people living in it as the land that he left. But he gets a lot of credit anyway. One thing I could never forgive him for was that on October 12th, a sailor on his ship by the name of Rodrigo saw the moon shining on some beach sand and cried out. He spotted land in the Bahamas. The first man to spot land was supposed to get a yearly pension from the Queen, but Rodrigo never got it. Columbus claimed he had seen the beach the evening before, and he claimed the reward. There are benefits to being captain. You won't hear that part of the story in this song, but I think the rest of the details are pretty close. Here's Dana Washington and Christopher Columbus. Swing song. Since the world is round, we'll be safe and sound. Till our goal is found, we'll just keep a rhythm bound. Soon the crew was making merry. Then came a yell, let's drink to Isabella. Bring on the rock. A music ended all. Christopher Columbus 
That was Donna Washington and a song about the man who sailed the sea without a compass. Not one mention of Rodrigo, though. Howdy, folks. This is Colonel Sanders. You know that Christopher Columbus discovered the New World about 450 years ago. Now, about 25 years ago, I discovered a new world of flavor, and I called it Kentucky Fried Chicken. And you won't have to sail halfway around the world to sample this flavor. It's available right here, and it's the most flavorful fried chicken in the whole world. Kentucky Fried Chicken. Umberto Eco once said, In the construction of immortal fame, you need, first of all, a cosmic shamelessness. Fame can be very attractive to many people, but some people discover it's not everything they hoped it might be. Emily Dickinson put fame into perspective when she wrote the following. Fame is a fickle food upon a shifting plate whose table once a guest but not the second time is sent, whose crumbs the crows inspect, and with ironic car flap past it to the farmer's corn. Men eat of it and die. Emily Dickinson, famous poet, other people, on the other hand, embrace fame in both arms. I think Liberace was probably like that. By the mid-50s, he had 162 certified fan clubs and a quarter of a million fans. He was receiving six to 10,000 fan letters a week. His fans would send him gifts and jewelry. He received almost $40,000 worth in the first half of the 50s. His fans sent him cars, cufflinks, one overzealous fan even sent him his daughter. I believe he returned her. Nowadays, people's fans don't give anything. They just follow him around and hope they can take embarrassing pictures of them trying to get out of cars. But Liberace loved his fame, and he loved this song. When he played the Hollywood Bowl in 1954, this song was played over the sound system. Liberace loved being in the spotlight, and he didn't mind making fun of himself. He knew he was a larger-than-life presence with his sparkling clothes and his candelabra. His fans came from all walks of life and were all types of people, including country and western fans. I'll prove it. Here's Charlie Adams and Hey Liberace. Hey Liberace, I like know where you got that smile. Must have a winning style Since you have been on TV My wife don't speak to me And her dreams is Liberace Oh, what you've done to me She 
Horses. One was a Palomino named Bamboo Harvester, who came to fame as a talking horse, the title character of the show Mr. Ed. A horse is a horse, of course, of course. My favorite horse, the smartest in the movies, was a Golden Palomino named Golden Cloud. Roy Rogers saw Golden Cloud, fell in love, and bought him for $2,500. Roy's sidekick, Smiley Burnett, saw how quick the horse was and said, you gotta name him Trigger. Last Thursday night, the Beatles were in town, and the whole show was based upon producing hysteria. And then these girls went into a coma. They ranted. They fainted. Their eyes were glassy. Some pulled their hair out. Some tore their dresses. Some girls, after the performance, kissed the stage, and some went up and kissed the very seats in which the Beatles had sat. And some of the parents took their children home before the show was over, because it was, as some people say, unbelievable. Now, everybody loved the Beatles. Here's Ken Lazarus and Keith Lynn. They were bold to pick with John Paul, George, and Ringo. They think the Beatles got to go.
She starred opposite Humphrey Bogart. She said that she played mad and bad dames. She considers herself a poor man's Betty Davis, but she wasn't limited just to her acting. She was a writer and also a director. She directed a number of dramatic and suspenseful films. My favorite is perhaps 1953's The Hitchhiker, which stars William Tallman, who played the district attorney on Perry Mason. In Adelapino's film, he plays a tough guy hitchhiker who terrorizes the people who picked him up. His eyelids are paralyzed, so his eyes are open even when he sleeps. Adelapino directed lots of movies and television, and she doesn't get the credit as a groundbreaker, which she surely was. She was the second woman ever to be admitted to the Director's Guild of America. You may be forgotten by most either, but you're surely not forgotten here. There's a couple other guys who'll never be forgotten. Will Rogers and Wiley Post. Will Rogers was America's cowboy philosopher. He was a big fan of travel, visited every state in the Union, and went around the world three times. If there was a time he couldn't get a commercial flight, he'd get a ride on a plane carrying the U.S. mail. He paid for it, though. He would weigh himself and buy the equivalent number of stamps necessary. He was in many plane crashes, and in 1935, he was in one with Wiley Post, and it was fatal. Shortly after taking off from Orlakpa Lagoon, near Point Barrel, Alaska, their plane nosedived, killing them both instantly. Will Rogers died at the age of 55. His epitaph was one of his favorite sayings, I never met a man I didn't like. I could have introduced him to a few. In Oklahoma City, they named the commercial airport after him. Maybe it's just me, but I don't think you name an airport after a guy who died in a plane crash. But I'm not here to judge. I'm here to play music. So here's the fate of Will Rogers and Wiley Post, as performed by Bill Cox. Brave Americans, Will Rogers and Wiley Poe. They were both loved by their countrymen, both known from coast to coast. Oklahoma was where they both come from, each one was the other one's friend. A beautiful friendship that lasted for years, right up to the tragic end. Will and Wiley had gone up to Alaska, to the land of the midnight sun, where the mountains are covered with snow all year, and the polar bears frolic in fun. 
On a happy-go-lucky flight they went back to Moscow far away. Kind-hearted Will Rogers and brave Wiley Post never dreamt fate would call that day. Well, they left good old Fairbanks on Friday that afternoon. Point Byro was 500 miles away, said Wiley, we'll make it soon. But they hadn't gone more than about 50 miles, the fog hindered them in their flight. They had to descend down on Harding Lake to get the directions right. Then resuming their journey, they started on while they knew he had lost control. His airplane come crashing down to the earth While death took its awful toll Was the Eskimo runner who brought the news The word about that tragedy Sergeant Morgan then sent the word out to the world Of the death of Will and Wally That's the story of two brave Americans And no greater one you'll ever find They'll stand as examples of all that is great, examples for all mankind. There's a place in that heavenly promised land, a place with that heavenly host. For souls so courageous and loyal, such as Will Rogers and Wiley Poe. song about the death of Will Rogers and one of the most celebrated pilots in aviation history, Wiley Post. I'd rather be thin than famous. I don't want to be fat. And a woman throws me out of bed calling me Gordo. And every time I bend to pick up my suspenders from the Davenport floor, I explode loud, huge grunto and disgust everyone in the familio. I'd rather be thin than famous, but I'm fat. Paste that in your Broadway show. Why don't we go to the phones right now? I see line four is ringing. Hello, caller. You're on the air. And where are you calling from? Hi, Bob. I'm Rebecca Bonds, and I'm calling from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Well, that's quite a coincidence. We just played a song about two guys from Oklahoma, Will Rogers and Wiley Post. I never heard of either of them. Okay, what can I do for you, Rebecca? Well, I'm enjoying the show about famous people. I love famous people. Matter of fact, I've always wanted to be famous myself. You're famous. Do you have any tips on how I could be famous? Well, do you have any special skills or talents? Well, I'm five foot four, red hair, and blue eyes. Well, wait a second. Those aren't exactly special skills. I mean, do you sing? Can you juggle? Maybe ride a unicycle? Well, why do you want to be famous? Well, I just want everybody to know who I am. Well, if you don't have any special skills, some of the most famous people around are criminals. Have you thought about a life of crime? Do you really think a life of crime could make me famous? Well, Rebecca, 
Let me tell you a little story. Everybody talks about John Wilkes Booth killing Abraham Lincoln, but you never hear him talking about his acting career. He was from an acting family. He was 17 years old when he made his stage debut. By 1860, he was earning $20,000 a year, and that was a lot of Missouri back then. He was hailed as the youngest tragedian in the world. He was a matinee idol, wildly successful as an actor. He had dozens of women as lovers. Abraham Lincoln saw him perform twice. He did Shakespeare and all the big plays of the day. But do we remember him for that? No, we remember him for the one crime he committed. Admittedly, it was a big crime, but his whole acting career has gone out the window. But if you really want to be famous, you might want to think about a life of crime. I mean, I wouldn't go out and kill anybody, but I mean, you know, like stealing a car or something. Thanks for calling, and I hope we all know your name soon. <laughs> well, since we're talking about actors, let's play a song about another one. We don't have to tell you about the group that's playing the song. You all know about The Clash, but you might not know who this song is about. I'll keep you in the dark for just a minute, but right afterwards, I'll tell you who owns the right profile. Here's The Clash.
cent postage stamp, which came out on June 1st, 1995. She made 29 movies. She never finished her 30th, called Something's Gotta Give. She won three Golden Globes, one for female world film favorite in 1954, best actress in the comedy for Something Like It Hot in 1960, and female world film favorite again in 1962. She won the award for best foreign actress in the seven-year itch. Of course, she won that award in England. She got her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame the year it opened. And surprisingly, she was a pipe smoker. This one's definitely in the top five. It's Simon and Garfunkel. So long, Frank Lloyd Wright. So long, Frank Lloyd Wright. I can't believe your song is gone so soon. I barely learned the tune so soon.
So long, Paul. So long, Marty. That was Simon and Garfunkel. So long, Frank Lloyd Wright. Frank Lloyd Wright spent more than 70 years creating designs and revolutionizing architecture. He designed 1141 works, perhaps most famously, the Guggenheim Museum in New York City. He spent 16 years on it, and those are years well spent. Probably his most recognized work, and it's a beautiful building. The most famous of his private residences is one called Falling Water that he built for Mr. and Mrs. E.J. Kaufman Sr. If you want to drop in on the Kaufmans and take a look at the place, it's in Bear Run, Pennsylvania, which is near Pittsburgh. It's got a stream and a waterfall running under part of the house. And just to give you an idea of how much this house cost, or more precisely, to give you an idea of how much the dollar used to be worth, a house cost $155,000, and the architect fee was only $8,000. Of course, that was back in 1935. I think you'd have to adjust for inflation. Some of his other famous works include the Hollyhock House, the Price Tower, and the Marin County Civic Center. He was a man who knew no compromise when it came to his work. So long, Frank Lloyd, right? And so long, everybody. It's been an hour. It's time for us to go. I want to leave with some words that were written by a man named Samuel Johnson. He said, When once a man has made celebrity necessary to his happiness, he has put it in the power of the weakest and most timorous malignity. If not to take away his satisfaction, at least to withhold it. His enemies may indulge their pride by airy negligence, and gratify their malice by quiet neutrality. Samuel Johnson, of the famous Johnson family. We'll see you next week with all new theme, celebrity dreams, and the same old schemes. Be careful on the way out, and look out for the paparazzi. Thanks for listening to Theme Time Radio with your host, Bob Dylan. Produced by Eddie Gorodetsky and the associate producer is Anita Fitzgerald. Continuity is by Eats Martin and the editor is Damien Rodriguez. The supervising editor is Rob McCumber. The research team is Diane Lapson and Bernie Bernstein with additional research courtesy of Lynn Sheridan, and April Hayes, Callie Glavin, Terrence Michael, Sean Patrick, and Matthew Meltzer. Robert Bauer was the librarian and the production coordinator was Debbie Sweeney. Special thanks go out to Randy Azradi, Coco Shinomiya, Simpsons Diner, and Lee Abrams. Tex Carbone was our director of studio operations. Recorded in Studio B of the historic Abernathy building, the crown jewel of the city's skyline. It's a great water park production in association with Big Red Tree. This is your announcer, Pierre Mancini, speaking. Join us again next week where we look at numbers from 11 on up. I'm not just an entertainer. I'm an influence, a wielder of opinion, a force.